Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word. We pray that you would come in our midst, that you would speak to us. Strengthen us in the gospel. Stir up in us love for lost people. Bless us with zeal and confidence, the power of your Holy Spirit, and the good news of Jesus. And we pray, um, Lord, that you would meet us in this time. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to invite you to think about how the gospel got to you. Um, not really, I'm not, and I'm at, when I'm asking that question, I'm not really asking who was the, the last person in the chain who shared the gospel with you, or who was the, uh, you know, maybe you grew up in the church and you've never known a day when you didn't know and love Jesus and believe in the gospel and praise God for that. Uh, I'm not really asking for like the last link. I'm, la- I'm asking the question, have you ever thought about how, it, how amazing it is that a group, maybe the size of the, the, those of us gathered here this morning, those first disciples of Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, before modern roads, transportation, the printing press, the internet, jet planes, that somehow the message of just a few people got all the way down to you across the world 2,000 years later. Isn't that amazing? If you think about it, it's, it's astounding. And it's an astounding outcome that happened by an ordinary means. Because the ordinary means was just God calling one person to go and tell another person. Now, sometimes that meant going next door, and sometimes that meant going across the ocean. But really, that's just going and telling another person is just the ordinary way that God takes his gospel from one person to another. Right? It's, this is not a hard passage to exegete, right? to interpret. If people are to believe, they have to hear, and in order for people to hear, someone has to tell them And in order for someone to tell them, someone has to be sent with the message. And that's God's ordinary way of bringing the gospel from one person to another. God sends preachers. We're going to talk about what that word means, but God sends people with the message. God sends people with beautiful feet to bring the good news of Jesus. And God is calling us to to preach, to, to preach and to send, to be a sent people with a message, but also to send others so that people all around the world, and people right here in our community can hear the word of Christ, believe, and be saved. So it it might be so obvious that it doesn't need to be said, but maybe it's so obvious that it does need to be said that people need the gospel. Emphasis on the need part of that sentence. People need the gospel, right? Uh, Paul is in anguish. So this passage began Two chapters earlier, a chapter and a half earlier, in chapter 9, Paul says that he's in anguish because his brothers, according to the flesh, the people of Israel, have by and large not believed in the gospel. And he is absolutely heartbroken. He goes as so far as to say, if I myself could be cut off and accursed that they might believe, I almost wish that that could happen. He, he's deep, there's a deep awareness that the people of Israel have rejected their Lord, rejected their Messiah, that that his kinsmen, according to the flesh, the people he loves most, have a broken relationship with God. And everything that he's going to say here about the good news of the gospel, which we'll talk about momentarily, 
it, the good news implies the bad news, doesn't it? Because he says, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you'll be justified. What does it mean to be justified? It means to be considered right in God's eyes. That, it means that when we go to see the king and stand before his judgment throne, because of Jesus, he will find in our favor. He won't count our sins against us, but he'll count Jesus's perfections for us. But think about the opposite. If through believing you are justified, what does that mean before you believed? It means you were condemned, doesn't it? It means that everyone's going to go see the king, but just as he says in Matthew 25, some will go to his right and some will go to his left, and he'll say to them, I never knew you. People need the gospel. He says in verse 11 that if you believe, everyone who believes in him shall not be put to shame. It means that God's going to find in their favor in the last day. That, that beautiful picture of the, the new creation and the kingdom that we read from Isaiah. If we believe in Jesus, we're going to get to receive that world that God is remaking through Jesus. But if we reject Jesus or if, if we've never known him, we won't get to be part of the new heavens and the new earth. So the good news implies the bad news. In verse 13, it says we'll be saved. It's just sort of like all-encompassing word for all the blessings that come to us in Jesus. But also it means specifically that we're saved from wrath. In Romans chapter 5, Paul connects justification and wrath. He says, since we've been justified, how much more then will we, we be saved from the wrath of God? So people, we needed the gospel when the gospel came to us and we believed. And people all over the, ro- the world, Jesus says he's Lord of all. Paul says Jesus is Lord of all, that he's, this is a message for Jew and Gentile. That's everybody, right? People need the gospel. I, I was reading, a, um, I was looking for illustrations. I like to just like look for all kinds of stories and illustrations as I'm preparing. And I found this kind of crazy story of the Russian author Vladimir Nobokov, um, or Nabokov. And it said that one day he was visiting America and he was in Utah and he loved butterflies. Like he had like a butterfly collection. And he was out searching for butterflies. And, and he came back later in the day to the house. And the person who was hosting him said, um, how was your day? And he was like, oh, I was, I was chasing a butterfly. And then, and then he said, as I was out there, as I was by the river, I heard what sounded like someone groaning or moaning down by the river or something like that. And the person was like, well, did you stop to help him? And he was like, no, I was chasing the butterfly. And I was like, and it turned out there was a person there who was in need and actually died. They found his body the next day. And it was like, wow, you have a, you have a person in need and you're, you're, you're not even going to go investigate. You're just chasing a butterfly. People need the gospel. You know, I'm, uh, am I chasing butterflies, Lord? People need the gospel. The most pressing need of every single one of us is to be reconciled to God. And, and that's, what, that's what the gospel offers us, right? We, we already said that if we believe, we can be justified, that our, our sins are forgiven, and that we're counted righteous in Jesus, that, that we don't have to fear being cast away from God's presence in eternity, but we will be part of that beautiful picture that we read in Isaiah, that we will be saved from his wrath, that there, that there is hope beyond this life, and that there's hope in this life because the Holy Spirit is with us. So the gospel is this beautiful message that, that meets all of our deepest needs. And people need the gospel, but people need the gospel. Emphasis there on the gospel. John Stott said it this way. He said, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God 
And the essence of the gospel is God substituting himself for man. I think that just beautifully sums up that idea. We have taken the reins of the world and said, we want to be our own lords. And rather than condemn us, God sent Jesus to save us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. We've been corrupted by sin, but Jesus has done something for us. In fact, Jesus, we say in the comfortable words, he's the propitiation for our sins, the wrath-removing sacrifice for our sins, and not ours only, but what's it say? Do you remember? The whole world. The gospel is here. The forgiveness of sins is here for the whole world if we will take the message to them. You know, my favorite illustration, I use this all the time with my kids. Whenever I bring it up, they just roll their eyes because I've used it on them so many times. And you've probably heard it so many times, and maybe it makes you want to roll your eyes too, but just think back on, on the Chronicles of Narnia, right? The story in The Lion of the Witch of the Wardrobe, and Edmund sides with the White Witch. He believes the lie that the problem with Narnia is not the White Witch, but Aslan, and so he throws his lot in with the White Witch. And when the climactic moment comes... Aslan, the good lord and lion, steps in and dies in Edmund's place. And it says he did that because he knew the deeper magic. That when an innocent victim died in a traitor's stead, the power of the white witch would be broken. And winter would end, right? That's the thing in, in Narnia is it's always winter and never Christmas. But through Aslan, the white witch is defeated. Sin, death... Satan is defeated in Jesus. We have this good news that people need, and God is calling us to bring it to them. You know, that old hymn, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a savior. People need the gospel. So how's it going to get to them, right? The ordinary way that it gets to them is by God sending people like us to take the message, the word of Christ, to others. We are sent to preach the gospel. John, in, in John chapter 20, we saw that Jesus called, told his disciples, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Uh, in, in the communion liturgy, we say that God has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what's the next thing that Peter says? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him, right? That, that we have been saved not only from sin and Satan and the devil, but for God's purposes in the world. We are a sent people. We're sent to preach. Now, so let's talk about it. That doesn't mean everybody has to get up in the pulpit and feel comfortable standing in front of a couple hundred people and telling stories they've heard a million times and, and trying to, to bring fresh light on the gospel. It just means you have to be willing to tell somebody. That's what the, the base word, that it means announce, right? Announce, tell someone the good news. When you, when you get that opportunity, when, I remember one time I was at a convenience store and, uh, I just, you know, small talk with the guy at the, at the, uh, behind the counter, and I said something, and he said, you know, no rest for the wicked. And I, in my mind, I went, oh, that's, a, that's like an opportunity to share the gospel. But then I was like, okay, man, see you later. <laughs> and I was like, after that, I was like, oh, that was like, that guy just opened the door, and we could have we had a real conversation. There was nobody else in line. He wasn't doing anything else, you know. I could have inconvenienced him to tell him about the good news of Jesus. God calls us. He sends us. You know, where are you sent? I guess that's the question. Where are you sent? Maybe you don't, maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of uh, unbelieving people in your life. That's probably the first step then. 
Find a place where you can build relationships with unbelieving people. What are your hobbies? You know, uh, join a book club. Get a get a hobby. Go. You know, learn a new skill. Go to a cooking class. Whatever. Whatever is something that you would enjoy. Go there and try to meet other people, and try to bring the good news to them. Because God is sending, calling us. He sent us to preach the word of Christ. Now, I love this quote from Calvin Miller. Uh, he wrote a book called The Vanishing Evangelical. And it says, Go ye into all the world and don't start at the farthest point. The nearest point will do. You have but to open your front door and look on the mail carrier there or open your back door and consider the person taking care of your lawn. In either child, the world is born and your global mission may begin. That's a, that's a beautiful picture. It's not like missions is something people far away do. It's like mission is something all Christians do. God is calling us to preach. We're sent. We're, but the reality is we can't be everywhere, right? I'm here, which means I can't be in Guatemala right now. Or you're here, you can't be in St. John's County right now. So we also, we're not only sent, but we're supposed to be people who send. Paul actually wrote Romans because he wanted to go to Spain. And he's trying to get the, the, the Roman church to help him get to Spain. He's trying to help the Roman church send him to Spain so that he could bring the gospel to Spain. We're, called to, we're sent, but we're called to send. And, and in your uh, bulletin today, you have just a, not even all of the things, but many of the things that our church is doing to support missionaries, to send missionaries around the world. Uh, this calendar, so we, we thought this up because we wanted to give you a way to stay more in touch with the missions side of our church. Um, so this calendar, each month of the year, we have a specific missionary or mission organization that's highlighted. We want to encourage you during that month to look at the calendar, look at, at the mission of the organization or mission of the people, look at the prayer requests, the specific prayer requests that are given here, and ask the Lord if, if he's asking you to support these missionaries, above and beyond just giving to the church and what we give to them, but is he calling you to support them, maybe financially, maybe by prayer, maybe next time they have an opportunity to go, you would be interested in going. But take a look at this. Put this, you know, put this in your Bible so that when you're doing your quiet time or in your prayer book, when you're doing morning prayer, that you look at this throughout the months and you can ask the Lord to give you a heart for this because we are sent people and we're called to send others. We're called to plant churches. But obviously, Dan and Carrie are planting a church up in Portland. Uh, Lenny's planting the church over in St. John's County. But actually, if you look at most of the missionaries that we support, most of them are in, engaged in church planting a world, around the world. New churches reach new people. Different churches reach different people. So we're called to send church planters and global missions. You know, Jesus didn't say, I'm, I'm Lord of the church. He said, I'm Lord of everything. I'm Lord of all. I'm, I'm Lord of Jews and Gentiles, all the nations, all the authority of, in heaven and earth is mine. Therefore, go into all the nations and preach the gospel, teaching them, making disciples. God is calling us as a sent people, and he's calling us to send others in this great commission work. I love this quote from John Calvin. It says, the gospel doesn't fall from the clouds like rain, as if by accident, but is brought by the hands of men where God has sent it. So where is God sending you? How is God calling you to support others who've been sent? As I was reflecting on this Mission Sunday, uh, I don't know if it's because this was like 
assigned, but sometimes your heart's not all the way in it the way you want it to be. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. And I was wrestling with the Lord and saying, why isn't my heart all the way in it? And I felt like what he told me was love. So in, in Romans chapter 9, I, I mentioned this before, verses 2 and 3, Paul's in anguish because his kinsmen, according to the flesh, haven't believed in the gospel. And, I, and I, as I looked at my life, I thought, like, I'm, I'm, I was anguished over my children not knowing the gospel. I'm anguished over those absolutely closest to me not knowing the gospel. But am I anguished that people all over the world, that maybe people three houses down, two houses down, right next door, don't know Jesus? They haven't heard the gospel. And so what, what, what happened was I understood that I had a lack of love, right? Like, I... I really loved only those who were closest to me and would benefit me. And what I needed was for God to stir up a love in me for others, for, for, for the unnamed people that I haven't met, to, to live my life, to walk in love, so that when I encounter other people, God's love overflows through me to them. Evangelism, mission, begins with love. That's why God sent his son into the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It begins with love. So let me encourage you as you pray, uh, we have our Alpha board over here. As you think about who am I going to invite to Alpha, by all means, pray that you'll get that opportunity. Pray that God will, will make the light bulb go on when you have the chance to, to put the invite in, in someone's hands, but, but maybe also pray that God would, would stir up your love for that person. Because maybe that's the missing link, right? Because if you, if you really love someone, you'll inconvenience them to do something good for them, right? That's what parenting is basically, your whole life is basically doing things that your children feel inconvenienced by because you love them and you're trying to help them in, in a way that they don't understand, right? So ask the Lord as you pray for others for that invite, ask them to specific people. God, help me to love this person. Help me to, I'm thinking, help me to love Luke two houses down. Help me to love Aaron and Sammy across the street. Help me to love them enough to invite them, to tell them about Jesus. Help me to love them the way Paul loves his kinsmen, according to the flesh. Here's the beautiful thing about evangelism, about mission, really about ministry and life in general, but, but especially thinking about what God's calling us to today. This is the work God is already doing in the world. God's not calling us to go break some new ground that he, where he's not already at work. It doesn't work like that. God's already at work, and he's just saying, hey, guys, get on board. Get on board with what I'm already doing. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, my dad's a tinkerer. Uh, he, um, you know, he's always taking things apart, putting things back together, repairing things, DIY type of guy, right? And when I was a kid, he was always inviting me to come learn how to do something, come help him fix the car, come help him whatever it was. And I was 0% of the time interested in doing that. You know, I was like, Dad, I'm playing Super Mario Brothers. Like, leave me alone, okay? And it was only when I was older and I had my own children, and I invite them to do things alongside me, that I realized, oh, this wasn't a, it wasn't about teaching me something, really. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good byproduct, but it was about being with me, right? It's about he wanted to share. He was, he was doing something, and he wanted to share it with me, and he wanted us to commune together, to be drawn closer together. That's what God's doing in the world. He sent his son, he sent his Holy Spirit into the world to redeem the world so that the message of Christ would go forth. That's what God's already doing. He's inviting us. 
Come join my work. Come be with me. Come commune with me. That's what Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission, right? Go into the nation, baptizing all nations, uh, teaching them everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. So if you want to draw close to Jesus, if you want, to, if you want your, your spiritual life to be increased, if you want to grow in love for others and love for God, get engaged in the work God's already doing. It's not about you. Dad wants you to help, but really he just wants to spend time with you. Because it doesn't depend on us, right? It's through the word of Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's not our techniques. It's not our great illustrations. It's not even the power of our testimonies. But it's God at work by the word of Christ through the Holy Spirit. So let's take up the charge. We're sent people. We're called to send because people need the gospel. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we, we do want to be where you are. We want to be at work where you're at work. We want to see you at, at work. We want to see your power moving. We want to see the power of the gospel at work in the lives of our loved ones and friends and coworkers and classmates. And God, we, we pray that you would fill us with a zealous love for them, a zealous love for your gospel, that you would give us opportunities to speak, to invite, to respond and to offer hope. Offer hope and a relationship with you that, that suffering and death and nothing in this world can take away. So Lord, bless us, we pray. Send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.